And this segment is brought to you by ViridianGlobal.com. And that is the official apparel provider of the Dynasty Warzone merch. We have our t-shirts over there. We have our dad hats. We have our Jerry NWO themed hats. We have hoodies. We have Raglan's baseball season just kicking off. A Raglan is a baseball shirt where the body of the shirt is white and the sleeves are different colors. We've got some, some tank tops. We have our new working harder than an ugly stripper t-shirt and so much more. This is the brainchild of myself and our graphics guru, Maddie, aka at Maddie Big Chest on Twitter. We have a ton of styles and you want to head over there and check everything out. You simply go to Viridian Global. That is V-E-R-I-D-I-A-N Global, ViridianGlobal.com. Search the Dynasty Warzone store and man, you'll see all the t-shirts, hats, accessories, everything that we have available to you from a merch standpoint. They are a great sponsor and we recommend you check them out today. That is the group over at viridianglobal.com. Thanks for checking them out. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my dynasty passion to the next level and i'll tell you what well let's just say there's writer downers for days in the patreon the member you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show you also get access to memphis and jerry for one-on-one advice personal dynasty dilemmas they'll tackle them for you help you out with it you just don't get that anywhere else but i'd say my favorite part about the patreon is the uh the group chat Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up. And you can thank me later in the group chat. What's happening, guys? Happy Monday and welcome to the Rookie Rundown. I am your host. My name is Memphis. You can follow me on Twitter at DWZMemphis. And on tonight's show, man, we're going to hit you with a couple of different angles. We're going to have Peter Lawrence, a.k.a. Pete Law, formerly of the DLF and the Dynasty Yak podcast. He's going to jump on with me and my co-host. And we're going to talk about some rookie running backs and some real important stuff at the end of the show. I'll get into that a little bit deeper in the open, but I got to bring in my co-host. He is Mr. Dallas Hyder at Salad Galore on Twitter. Dallas, man, how was your week off? Uh, it's, it's actually been two. Uh, so with the holiday and the last one, I unfortunately had to miss because school has been kicking my behind. Uh, this semester has been pretty busy. Uh, so I took a little hiatus. Sorry, guys, I'm back. Don't worry. Uh, I'm looking forward to a pretty smooth week coming up, though. And I'm getting really pumped because we're only a couple of weeks away from the draft now. And I am really getting the itch to see it. Uh, as of the recording of this podcast, the NFL draft would be over in less than three weeks so we're about what about 19 days as we record this open away from the running backs the wide receivers the quarterbacks the tight ends all the goodness that we want to look at 
from a dynasty rookie perspective. Just real quick, want to call out five star reviews. That is the easiest way to help us grow this show. It's it's super simple. Uh, whatever podcast player you listen on, primarily Stitcher and iTunes. iTunes being the big one, I don't know why it just is, but go over there, leave us a five-star review. Tell us how we can get better. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you don't want to hear so that we can continue to make this thing grow. Speaking of grow, we're doing the YouTube contest, trying to get the 500 subscribers by June 1st. If we do that, I'll do a contest. We will uh, come in, we'll host your rookie draft round one live on YouTube, and then I'll do a podcast for you at the end of it, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll do a, a big to-do. Uh, we'll, we'll spend a couple of hours together, we'll have some fun, we'll make fun of your league mates. Dallas, how would you like me to come and make fun of your league mates for you, If uh, and, and do it on Twitter, and on uh, YouTube? Hey, I'm always down for a little bit of backup, all right? We're a bunch of savages in most of the leagues that I'm in, and specifically my one from my uh, fraternity days, that one gets a little rowdy. So, I, you know, I, I would love the prize if I could win it. So there might be a couple of Dallas I don't think you're eligible. I don't think you're eligible as on-air talent, but uh, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe if you get your entire league to subscribe to the YouTube channel, you and I, uh, we, we can work something out. But yeah, man, head over to YouTube, Dynasty Warzone on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, notifications turned on. You won't miss anything. So while I was on vacation last week, I did at the whiteboard with Memphis. And it was pretty cool. Uh, didn't plan on doing it from vacation, but I'm going to be doing more of these in my garage. I've bought some uh, other content creating devices. I'm going to do at the whiteboard. I've got one on the rookie quarterback class coming up. And you won't get that in podcast. If if you want to hear quick, what, five to eight, maybe ten minute videos, uh, not necessarily the entire podcast. So basically, you won't get all the content on YouTube and you won't get all the content on podcast. You really need to be subscribed to both channels, both styles of content. Uh, if you're already listening to this via podcast, thank you. But there are things you'll enjoy about the YouTube as well. So before we get into this, I do want to hit you with a disclaimer. So we have already had our conversation with Pete, and we get into a lot of the rookies. We get into Devonta Smith. We get into Jamar Chase. We talk about Javante Williams. But about the last 15, 20 minutes of the show, Pete really opens up about some post-traumatic stress that he's dealt with in his life. He bears his soul, to be quite honest, and shares a lot of his story and about the effects of uh, an IED attack in Iraq when he was a Marine, and how that's impacted his life as a police officer, but more importantly, the importance of mental health as it relates to PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. So if that's not something that you easily deal with, once we get past the question of who is your next James Robinson, that would be a good time to turn the podcast or the YouTube feed off. If you are listening to this and, you know, you, you maybe you have a family member who served, maybe you served and you're struggling with some, st some things, man, stick around to the end of this. It's about a 15, 20 minute segment. Again, if you're here just for the football, cool. Turn it off with about 20 minutes to go. If you think you could benefit from hearing Pete's story and hearing some resources and stuff, that he has to share as it relates to mental health 
and PTSD, by all means, I suggest you stick around and share this with someone who could use it. It's not always about fantasy football. We spend a few minutes talking about the hashtag FFFitClub. Guys, if you're looking for just football, there's plenty of that out there. Uh, This channel is always about football, and I think it's the most interactive as it relates to a podcast and a Patreon group out there. But sometimes you got to go a little bit deeper and talk about some other things besides just football. But cool, this is your heads up. This is your heads up. If you don't want to hear it, you don't have to. You can just enjoy us picking Pete's brain as it relates to the football. Dallas, man, you got anything to add before I uh, I let him hear a word from our sponsor over at Hate Brand Goods? Yeah, absolutely. Like Memphis said, guys, it's probably the most visceral thing you're going to hear, the most real conversation you're going to hear between the three of us. It's about 15 minutes. It's definitely worth a listen. Uh, it It's just impactful. You can't not feel the story and the realness of what Pete's talking about when he talks about his past, um, his present, his faith, a little bit of everything. So I strongly suggest you do listen to it if you're up for that kind of thing. Uh, two things that make the podcast great specifically this week is that conversation and then some more Michael Carter talk. So. Some good old Michael Carter talk. Well, again, we're going to get into that. I want to have you hear a quick word from one of our sponsors, Hate Brand Goods. Uh, brand new joggers just came out last Thursday. If there are any left, I highly suggest you head over to thehate.com. That's the H-V-I-I-I.com. And use promo code MEMPHIS even on a brand new launch item. You can save a couple of bucks. And then a quick word from our friends at Trophy Smack. And then it's all about Pete and football. And again, that very serious conversation at the end. So without further ado, let's hear from Matt and the folks at Trophy Smack. And then we'll get into the football. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great week. All right. I'm going to take a second time out and do a little word for our friends over at Hate Brand Goods. Now, this is the home of the goat shorts. If you go to Hate Brand Goods, that is the H-V-I-I-I.com, and just search their goat shorts. Those are the bomb. You see so many people right now on Twitter tweeting hashtag FFFitClub. When you see me tweet that, the shorts that I am wearing are Hate Brand goat shorts. They've got floral. They've got unique designs in the goat shorts. As well as, you know, they have your basic black and and some solid colors in there too. As well as other stuff, man. They've got joggers. They've just released a new tie-dye collection and so much more. And what is Hate Brand Goods? Hate Brand Goods is the apparel company of Matt Vincent. Matt is a former two-time world champion in the Highland Games. That's the Scottish Highland Games. And he was a collegiate thrower at LSU. He's also one of the most unique people to follow on Instagram because he's a really, really good dude. And he's helping people get fit in his own unique way. One of the personal go-tos of me personally. So if you stick around at the end of this podcast, just as we go off the air, there'll be a little you know, minute or two of, of Matt telling us about the meaning behind hate brand. And if you go to thehviii.com, and use promo code MEMPHIS, that's MEMPHIS at checkout, you will save some money if you purchase anything. Again, the goat shorts, the joggers, the t-shirts, the unique collections. If you're looking for something really cool to rock this spring and summer, look no further than hatebrand.com. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking 
for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there, then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZ ring. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZ ring, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZ ring, and let's have a big season. And here he is, back for the first time in a long time, as promised, my old buddy from many years ago, Mr. Peter Lawrence at underscore Pete Law on Twitter. Pete, man, what's up? It's great to be back, man. It's uh, it's always good to be on the war zone from the you know Dynasty Football days, uh, Dynasty Football Factory days, I should say. Man, it, that's back three or four years. That's where you and me and Jerry and jernigan and kyle from the fellas now of the smackdown so many of us uh came up and then we all went our separate ways but uh, you and i stay in contact before we get into the football let's take a minute and talk about the hashtag ff fit club i think that's what's brought you back to uh twitter you've been taking a bit of a hiatus you've always been a workout guy uh, are, are you excited to be talking about fitness on on the angry bird i am you know it uh Fitness has always been a passion of mine. It started off uh, really in high school. I, from a young age, I, I knew I wanted to get in the military. I'm sure when my, you know, parents first got me a GI Joe, you know, my my goal was always to jump out of planes, do scuba, blow stuff up, and uh, you know, I, I had a, my grandpa. Luckily, you know, he's still around, but he was one of the first Canadian uh, jet fighter pilots. He flew F eighty six Sabers in the uh, Canadian Air Force. So I've just kind of always had this passion, and you know part of being in the military is, is working out. So it was, you know, running, lifting, it, it's been just kind of my release too with, uh, you, you know, we all deal with a lot of stresses in life. And I think getting into the gym, being healthy is so important. And unfortunately it gets neglected so much in this, you know, hustle and bustle of our, our daily lives where we make time for Netflix. We make time for Hulu. We make time for social media, but we don't take that time to focus on ourselves and our well-being. I, I couldn't agree more. What about you, Dallas? I know you're trying to hide those uh, those uh, biceps over there. Uh, maybe an extra schmedium shirt next time would do the <laughs> trick. Now you're you're also into fitness. Yeah. Uh, so I've been a sports guy since I could walk. Basically, I've been playing soccer and baseball um, ever since the t-ball days of three and four years um, old. I played soccer in college, uh, and then I've dabbled in golf. I've played some basketball, um, but. As of right now, I'm a, a pretty avid hiker and a pretty avid runner. And then I like to, you know, sling some weights around the weight room over here and, uh, you know, here or so, a couple of days a week usually. But uh, yeah, FF Fit is pretty cool. I like seeing stuff like this on Twitter. Uh, we had the conversation earlier a little bit about some toxic stuff. And this is really a nice change from what we see a lot of the time on Twitter. Yeah, 100%. So a uh, couple of things. I don't think I've ever really shared this, but... As a younger guy, uh, I weighed 
I was a pretty good wrestler. I was a better baseball player and a better wrestler than, than anything else. I went to state twice in wrestling. And after high school, uh, I ballooned up to a, uh, a not jacked 260 pounds. And I'm walking, and I had a buddy of mine I used to work with. He, he walked into the break room where we worked one time. He's like, you know what? You're fat. Like, excuse me? He was like, dude, you're fat. He's like, I know you were an athlete and you've let yourself go. And I trimmed down. I got down to like 170. I've put on some muscle mass since, but I think it's great. Uh, tremendous tip of the cap to Troy King. He's been a guest on past couple of weeks. Ray Garvin has been on. Nick Whalen, uh, John Hellenkamp. A lot of these guys are doing a great job. And let's be honest, man, fantasy football can be a very sedentary hobby. Uh, you spend a lot of time on your phone, a lot of time, you know, grinding stats, grinding film. And just to see these guys out inspiring and encouraging others to do something active, man. You know, we still live in a world where people want magic. We want to be able to go to the store and get something that makes us look like Pete does with all his hard work. And what what you really have to do is it's exercise is like the fountain of youth. So I don't want to make this an exercise show, but it, it is great to see people talking about fitness. And when I think about fitness, I think about Pete. But also when I think about Pete, I think about running backs. Now, he mentioned our time together back at the Dynasty Football Factory, he he was our uh, he was our go-to running back guy. I remember when I was just a I was just the Dallas. I was the new guy on the Dynasty Warzone team with Sheps and with Mike Jernigan, and we would have Pete on to talk running backs all the time. So Pete, before we get too deep into it, I'm just going to hit you with a big one right off the bat. Are you a Najee Harris guy, or are you, know, you a like, Travis like- Etienne? I like how you uh, you worded this question when I got the show sheet earlier, you know, this ETN or Harris kind of thing. We really forget how talented Alabama running backs are. They have just this wealth of talent every year coming in. And you have guys that we've totally forgotten, like Brian Robinson is in this running back class. And he's a very well-known Debbie, Debbie name. When he came to Bama, you know, just a few years ago, everybody, you know, this is the next guy. He's going to be a first round pick. He's, you know, the Bama, the Bama breed. But I mean, right now, nobody's really even talking about him. We're talking about, you know, six foot two, 230 pounds, very smooth Najee Harris. But at the same time, I mean, he's only had 25 carries go over 20 yards in his, you know, collegiate career. Now, is that something maybe we're looking at, you know, his use, you know, he didn't have all the carries that we saw, you know, guys like the King, you know, get. We didn't uh, – does he have that top-end speed that's really going to separate him at that next level to kind of make him, uh, you know, on, on par with King Henry? All right. Well, there you go. P- Pete's going Najee. I, I tell you, if if ETN lands in that LaFleur zone running scheme in New York with Mike LaFleur, not to be confused with Peter LaFleur, but he lands up there with Mike LaFleur in – in New York, uh, that would make it very tough for me. I, I, I don't want to like make anything landing spot dependent. But uh, you have anything on, on, on Pete's call on Najee? Because uh, I, I heard it said over the weekend that it's Najee and then everybody else, Dallas. Well, well, hold on. Let me let me say something. I'm not Team Harris, man. Oh, you're I'm not? A, I'm a 1A, 1B. Oh, okay. I, ETN is – I think ETN is still my 1A. <clears throat> oh, I, I mean, I, okay. I think, you, you know, maybe landing spot's going to shift it. I don't think ETN is that 215 pounds uh, that he came in in at. I think uh, is that, is he's that been, some water manipula- he's manipulation. He's been taking that Celtech, man. It's it's like the early 2000s again, man. He went and got his Celtech Nitro Tech pack, uh, and, and he's bumping them LBs up, you know. 
But he uh-huh. still blazed a, a you know a four maybe let's call it a sub four four forty. 822 yards after contact, PFF. Had, so that's the fifth best in college football for this class. 43 missed tackles. It, they, dude, I'm still Travis Etienne. Remember we Tied. gave Travis Etienne a hard time because he's, he admitted like, hey, man, I've got some flaws. I need to work on the on the receiving end of my game. Like, what? why did we go after him for that? Like, he admitted, hey, I, I need to improve this in my game. And he did. That We should be, you know, are, are we excited about that? Are we not? Harris is a good pass catcher. It's Either way, man, I think you're 1A, 1B. So it's it's hard to go wrong. If you've got the 101 or 102 in a 1QB league, you're, you're in good shape either way uh, of, of how this goes. Uh, don't want to get too far in, into too many other rookies. Um, outside of give us the guy that you're not leaving your draft without. Uh, you know, when you're doing your rookie, now you and I were in a league together. You're uh, you're taking some time away, so you're not going to be in this draft with me. So I can pick your brain fairly and get get an honest <laughs> opinion. You don't have to sh- you don't have to you know shield me from any of your takes. Who is the rookie that you're going to make sure you do not leave your drafts or not without any position? You know, I skipped over Dallas, man. I feel like he's got to answer this Etn or Harris question, man. I kind of I kind of jumped the gun on him, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you want my take, I'm a Harris guy personally. Um, ETN, don't get me wrong, he came back, he proved what he needed to, and it's great seeing him do the receiving side, but I think that was a lot of force feeding um, that happened specifically with both the offense and the fact of him going most likely to the coaching staff saying, hey, the only reason I'm not going to be the top back off in this year's draft is if I don't catch balls, so throw me the damn ball type of situation. Um, Because, I mean, he – he literally ended the year as first in receptions, first in receiving yards, second in uh, what was the stat? I can't. It was second in some uh, another receiving stat, and so they were just pumping the ball to him. But uh, yeah, I I really like Najee Harris, and I understand the top speed being an issue. Um, people like to compare him to Derrick Henry, even though they're not the same player. I I see Le'Veon Bell coming out of college in. Najee Harris and that's what I'm sticking with and if he has the same type of track which is realistic as Le'Veon where Le'Veon was never a burner he was never a super high touchdown guy he was just a ton of carries ton of receptions really consistent I'm okay with that with Harris and that's what I would prefer over the high upside or downside to an ETN all right, we bought Pete a few minutes to uh, think about which rookie he's not leaving his draft without but I also want to know does uh, Najee Harris have a rap game does he have a rap game like Lev Bell Dallas? You know, it's not hard to be on par with Le'Veon Bell's rap game, oh, so I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I think he's probably comparable. <laughs> All right. Pete, have you ever heard any of Lev Bell's rap music, and uh, who's the rookie you're not leaving without? I think I'm way too behind the time for any music these days. I've got uh, I've got too many kids. Uh, you know, I've, I've really got the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, Moana, that you know, that's that's more my wheelhouse these days. But when we're talking about a rookie, I'm not going to leave the draft without Rondale Moore, man. If this is you know, we we're just talking about the FF Fit Club. Rondale Moore is the FF Fit Club. He's you know, that video of him squatting 600 pounds as a as a you know five foot nine. Be gentle. We'd be generous. Call him maybe 190, probably 185 at the most at the time. I'm all about Rondale Moore, and uh, I'm typically, you know, size, speed, wide receiver guy. But, man, I, come that, if you're drafting the back half of the first round, 
I'm not going to be wasting my time on really any of the rookie running backs. It's going to be, you know, your Rondale Moores, your Terrace Marshalls, any of the wide receivers. That's who I'm going to be snagging up right there. I love it. I, I love Rondale Moore as a, a yak guy. Now you, you used to host the dynasty yak, so you know all about that yak. Oh uh, yeah. I don't think, I don't think yak has a, a physical description. Just get the ball in his hands and, and let him work. Uh, I've seen him mock drafted to, uh, Kansas City. And I saw him mock drafted to Tampa Bay. And I think those are a couple of very interesting fits for him. Dallas, you a, you a Rondale Moore guy? Refresh my memory. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Moore guy. I like him. I do have quite a few receivers above him. Um, I understand the yak ability and everything like that. It's just at the end of the day, I do fall into the same trap as a lot of people of I want prototypical size. Uh, it's the one thing you can't teach at the wide receiver position is, well, I guess two things, speed and size. So I have like a guy that rose up my board of the last month would be Terrace Marshall, where when the process started for me this year with the rookies, I didn't have him higher than more, but now I do. He's still in my top six, uh, but he is my sixth wide receiver. In your opinion, Dallas, is there a wide receiver with better uh, talent after they have the ball in their hands than Rondell Moore? Maybe a Jalen Waddle? Yeah, I, the thing is, I would say Waddle is a better wide receiver right now than what you're getting with Rondell Moore. That's like the only issue. He Rondell Moore has that same rawness that Debo Samuel had coming out to where he's an extremely good athlete and he's amazing with the ball in his hands. But it's almost like that running back shiftiness where he still needs to make those routes a little bit crisper for me to be more comfortable. So yeah, if he goes into an offense with a high target volume vacuum, basically with someone that left this year, I think it's a great fit. Casey would be awesome, but I refuse to believe that Casey's taking anything other than a left tackle within the first round because they still do not have a left tackle on their roster. Well, hopefully they can find one that late in the draft. The Colts are going to want one, the the chargers, maybe the, the Panthers, uh, but we'll get to that later. Pete, who who are you not going to draft at their current valuation? Like a guy that you see going a hair too high uh, out of your price range, if you will. I'm going to say the Slim Reaper himself, Mr. Smith out of Bama. And that is only because I'm a, I'm a size speed freak. I, I'm worried, man. It, it, it's, now let's be, let's be real. Like the NFL is – slowly adopting, you know, more of the widespread game, opening up things for these guys. But I'm still, I, I just hesitant on a guy who's that size. And I know I just pitched Rondale Moore to you, but if I'm drafting and let's, what Smith is probably going top four in most of your, you know, one QB drafts. I, I get a little nervous with that size, man. I'm just, I'm a little bit hesitant and that's not to take away like the dude is, He's talented, man. He is collegiantly talented. But, you know, that's that kind of gets me worried. Uh, you know, and I'll say, like, Javante Williams and Kenneth Gainwell, you know, when you're looking right now, DFL mock drafts, they're going, like, first round. I, I'm not spending a first-round pick on those guys. I'll, I'll, Like I said, I'm targeting Moore, Marshall, you know, and I might even go quarterback if I'm in that, that part of the draft just to, you know, snatch up a, a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields in the back of the first in a one QB draft over those running backs. Now I, I like the slim reaper, but for me, a lot of these guys, uh, we talked about Najee Harris earlier, you know, Najee Harris is not landing spot dependent. Kyle Pitts is not landing spot dependent. Devonta Smith is landing spot dependent. I've seen some mock drafts over the week while uh, I was on vacation last week 
and I saw of a lot of Devonta Smith to the Detroit Lions. I am firmly out on the Detroit Lions. Now, on the Miami Dolphins, I'm in. Tua's going to hyper-target him. Tua likes shoes in the middle of the field. It'd be a nice one-two punch with Gusecki and Smith. So that may raise him up a bit. i got to say, out of all the wide receivers, I could see him being as high as maybe three in my wide receiver class and as low as seven. If he were to land in Detroit, man, I could be all the way out where he's going. I, I agree with Pete. What about you, Dallas? What are your thoughts on Devonta? Yeah, Devonta, I've said it a couple of times. He's my enigma. I really don't know what to do with Devonta at all. Um, he, Like you said, you're a height, weight, speed kind of guy. No one other than, as Memphis has stated multiple times, Marvin Harrison has the physical profile of what you're looking at with Devonta Smith that has had any type of success. So if you're telling me it's a one-hit wonder versus everyone else that's ever attempted to come in at that exact frame, that exact not super flashy speed, it makes me super nervous, and I'm right there with you. I'm not going to take him where it's going to need to be taken. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end old Devonta on this. One thing I'll say, and Pete, I'll, I'll, I'll let you chime in as well. The one thing that I have as like a saving grace for him is the way the game's played and officiated now. You can barely breathe on a wide receiver in 2021 and not draw a, a PI. They're a little generous with that five-yard cushion of, of contact off the line of scrimmage sometimes. But the days of guys like him, who he does really good work over the middle, in my opinion. And the days of him having to worry about getting killed uh, are pretty much behind him. So I, I'm not too worried about that. What about you, Pete? Is there a landing spot that can maybe raise him up your board a little bit? So you, you talked about, you know, obviously any wide receiver that goes to KC is probably going to jump a few, you know, in anybody's rankings. What if you get somebody like Devonta Smith going to Green Bay? How much does he, you know, he's already pretty much drafted top four. Does he draw, does he jump, you know, and solidify himself as kind of everybody's favorite, you know, to be over Chase? Would you say, you know, are you going to go Jamar Chase or, or Devonta Smith if Devonta goes to Green Bay? I don't think that he, because of the just the story that's already been written on Jamar Chase, I don't think it, it would be very hard to – but, yeah, I think it would elevate – it would put a new spotlight on Devonta Smith if he went to Green Bay. It would be the, oh, my God, he's with Aaron Rodgers and he's opposite Devonta Adams and – and all that volume, and you know, you could the, the narratives write themselves at that point. So, yeah, I, that would make him a very, very interesting pick there. Uh, but I, I, I won't tell our buddy in the uh, the FF Fit Club, Ray GQ, that you uh, you weren't super high on his man, the Slim Reaper. But you did use the appropriate nickname. Shout out to Ray, the creator of the Slim Reaper. All right, Pete, who is your most overrated rookie in this class? Now it could be a running back. It could be a quarterback. It could be anybody. Who is the most overrated? Most overrated. Um, I mean, we're going to go into depth about this, but maybe Javonta Williams. I, I, I'm i not in, you know, if you're, like we've talked, it's kind of Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Williams didn't beat out Michael Carter at North Carolina. You know, here's some of PFF dropped these as, you know, kind of your similar prospect models for Javonta. Karrion Johnson, Mark Ingram, there's a solid, Amir Abdullah, Noshan Moreno, Ryan Williams, CEH, Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, Lawrence Maroney, Monte Ball. Has anybody got excited yet over some of those names? Maybe Mark Lots Ingram of, just for staying power? 
I mean, Mark Ingram, and, and he didn't come out like a like a gangbuster himself. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I think it was what was this breakout really the back end of year two or year three, something like that. Like I said, he did not come out. Uh, there was the running joke that, you know, did, did he do something with Sean Payton's wife? He was not highly thought of. He was not getting all of the work for a guy drafted that high. No, I remember, I don't, I don't think there's been anyone who has taken more of a hit to his stock during this, uh, post season pro day circuit than Javonta Williams. I, I heard people, uh, that I really respect, uh, talk about him as their RB2 in this class. And that talk has kind of faded with the, uh, less than stellar running back class. Now I'm going to ask Dallas for a minute to take away your Michael Carter, uh, Stan account. Please don't change it from salad galore to, uh, Michael Carter Stan account. But what are your thoughts on Javante Williams? I, I know you've been lukewarm and I, I hope it's not because of your, uh, unbiased love of a man named uh, Michael Carter. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, uh, with just being not as high on Javante as a lot of people. And I think it's the allure and the thought that we could potentially get another Marshawn Lynch in the form of Javante, because we typically don't see people run as physically as he does and have as flashy a plays as he does. But the thing that concerns me as it should, everyone is always just the injuries because it's just not sustainable. Every back outside of Marshawn Lynch that has tried that style has not lasted the one that sticks in my head the most is Thomas Rawls. I will never forget Thomas Rawls because watching him play was quite possibly one of my favorite players in NFL history, but it was a flash in the pan of like six to eight weeks. And it was all we ever saw of him being consistently viable because it's just not something you can do. He's not fast. He's not overly big. He is physical and that helps him break the tackles. But we'll go back to the point with Michael Carter. I've been saying this since we first started on this conversation I'm still convinced Michael Carter is the best running back in that running back tandem between the two, and I will stick to it. Pete, how do you feel about that? Talk? Now, Pete, for those that don't know, is a uh, Washington State native. He is a Seahawks fan. If you go to his Twitter handle, again, at underscore Pete Law, you will see some nice uh, Seahawks images in the banner there. Uh, Pete, what do you think about that Thomas Rawls comparison? Oh, man, it brought me back. It was a little tear in my eye talking about Thomas Rawls. What a fun player to watch. But just like, I mean, you, you just can't maintain that. And if you're if you're high on Javante Williams, are, are people equally as high on Michael Carter? I don't see a lot of Michael Carter talk on Twitter. So, I mean, I took I took 40 days off. So I might have missed it. You know, and, and you might say, hey, maybe the coach is like that old, dependable, that old school, you know, Michael Carter kind of mold. I, I seen these uh, the comps of Michael Carter or uh, not Michael. I'm sorry, Javante Williams being the swole Aaron Jones. You know he's got a, got. A, like he talked about that violent running style is everybody loves it, man. You see that on tape, and I think everybody just kind of bumps him up a little bit, maybe. And I think you're reaching. You know, Marshawn's probably one of a kind, very limited. Everybody's going to look for that, but I don't know. I'm worried if he goes to a team with a bad offensive line, he's going to take a lot of heat. I don't think he really creates more than what's kind of given to him. And maybe Javante Williams is maybe just kind of a one contract running back, maybe flashes for a few, you know, a year or two. And that's a great time to, you know, deal him for a high pick. It, people thought, you know, Philip Lindsay is going to be a staying player. And I'm sure if you had Philip Lindsay, you would have, you'd have been happy if you had dealt him after his rookie season. Yeah. Philip Lindsay was uh, the predecessor for a question we're going to ask you here 
in a little bit for me from a dynasty standpoint, the two saving graces that can really help Javante because he is not going to be my RB two in this class. You're, 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 it's it's the Harris and ETN and everybody else. The one thing that can save Williams is if he gets a really really good landing spot like Atlanta, and he gets some good draft capital. If he gets you know second round draft capital and he winds up in a good landing spot, okay. All that's going to change for me is it's going to change where where he goes in my rookie draft, as opposed to being maybe the seventh, sixth, seventh player off the board at a 1QB and a back-of-the-first-round player in, in a Superflex. Maybe he goes back into that top five or six in a Superflex or back in that top three to five in a 1QB, but he needs the right combination of events to happen for him to get back to the value that we, we saw him at pre-pro day because he came in light, which is not good, and he came in slow. So you were under your weight goal and over your speed goal. You got those backwards. We wanted you to be 220, and we wanted you to run 4-5. And he, he didn't accomplish those. So, Pete, we, we know you think Javante's overrated. Who's underrated in this class for you? That is – I'm not in love with this running back class. So I think your, your, your time to strike, you know, obviously if you had a time machine, but if you really paid attention to a lot of the good minds in, in Debbie Twitter and, you know, guys like Ray, guys like Nick Whalen, who told you like, Hey, and I think everybody knew it, you know, 2020 hammer running backs. Um, we didn't realize that there was going to be this, you know, that it, well, actually we, t- we talked about the entire draft class for years. It was incredibly hyped. And, you know, then of course come draft time, we all got, you know, nervous and we tried to find these warts with everybody and maybe this is a so-so class where we're just you know over analyzing the warts for these guys uh being out here on the west coast cj verdell maybe there's an underrated name he's really fast to the hole but he gets locked in he gets the tunnel vision uh still dealing with an injury from the college season jamar jefferson from oregon state uh, i think he's got really good pacing when he runs um kind of he, he does that good job of of changing up his step um but his top end speed is lacking. Man, what happened to Chubba Hubbard? That guy was gangbusters his sophomore season, and everybody was, hey, this is this dude is going to be, he's over ETN, he's over Harris, he's going to be the 101. And now I, I mean, I think he's like a second or third round pick in most rookie drafts. You know, how about some Elijah Mitchell love? Uh, you know, right around a sub 4'4, 5'10, 200 pounds. You know, maybe that kind of change of pace guy, a dude you can get in the third, fourth round of your rookie draft and just kind of stash away and maybe you get something. Dallas, what do you think about C.J. Verdell? That's a name that we have not mentioned a lot this rookie season. Um, we have you know focused yeah. a lot on some of the bigger names, but what are your thoughts there? Oregon Duck, right? Yeah, so C.J. is not a guy that a lot of people talk about. So he's coming out of Oregon, like you said, Tunnel vision is exactly how I would describe CJ, where a lot of the times you watch him, he's running directly into the back of his offensive lineman. And, and that's to a fault, yes, but that also is very nice. I like that from running backs to an extent because I want them to go north and south. I'm not a huge fan of dancers in the backfield. I know we just talked about Le'Veon Bell, but like for me, in the NFL, you don't have that same amount of time to do that as you would in college. So a guy who already is not predicating his game off of lateral agility, it's just North and South. Um, he remind he's, he's like a poor man's Trey Sermon for me. And 
I like Trey Sermon more than most people do um, personally in this year's draft, but that's what I see when I have Verdell. I see him as kind of just a change of pace guy, that thumper, and he can be an effective goal line back if you bring him in, but he's never going to be a huge starter for you. So he's just going to be one of those touchdown dependent fill-ins maybe down the road. Man, I am really, you know, obviously I'm really glad to have Pete on. Pete's an old friend and I love talking ball with him. But man, it's nice to hear someone bring up the name C.J. Verdell. I, I was in a Debbie draft last year with Jerry, uh, co-host of the War Zone, and we were talking about drafting him in a Debbie draft last year. We ended up not doing it based off of the recommendation of Nick. He was like, you could probably do a little bit better. I don't remember the exact direction, but man, man, what a deep cut. All right, Pete, we got one more question for you, and then we're going to open it up to uh, spend a little time with you about a topic you want to spend some time on. Um, give us your 2021 James Robinson. Now, whenever we, we hit our guests with this question, we're not asking you to give us the rookie that out of nowhere is going to finish as the RB5 and all of fantasy at the running back position. We just want to know a, a small school guy, because I want to give Pete a shout-out. So I gave uh, I give a lot of credit to Shane Hallam for turning us on to – James Robinson two years ago, before you know, in 2019, before the breakout ever happened. But I got to give uh, Pete credit because he turned me on to Salvan Ahmed. That was his boy who ended up making a little fantasy noise in Miami last year. And if the Dolphins don't take a running back, old Mister Salvan could make some more noise this year. But Pete, who is your guy? Who is the 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 lesser known, smaller school type back that uh, we need to keep our eyes on? You know, I. I honestly don't think I have a small school guy this year. I think we're going to be at such a disadvantage because of COVID and everything. It is going to be very hard. Um, I think, you know, just limited scouting, limited chance to really go out there and see guys. Uh, You know, you have a lot of this stuff kind of being done online where maybe if they had, you know, the combine or anything, you know, I I think maybe a few names that aren't getting enough, you know, mentions. I, Brian Robinson, not a small school guy, but a forgotten back out of Alabama, very highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. Um, Keelan Hill, nobody really talks much about him. That's It's not a small name, not a small school. Again, I mentioned Chuba. I think, I think we were looking at the wrong thing. I think that sophomore season is more of what you should expect from him. I don't know, maybe, you know, COVID, and everything that he went through at Oklahoma State, especially with his coach, if he just became entirely disinterested in football this year, uh, which is unfortunate for him because it's going to cost him, you know, some money. It's very good that he, you know, took his stances. It's very good that he spoke his truth. Uh, and the unfortunate part, though, is his play suffered because I think mentally um, he was taxed. I don't think he wanted to be out on the field for that team. Uh, you know, one name we're forgetting, and it is a long shot, but man, Journey Brown. I will say every so often I go up in the search bar on Twitter and I type in Journey Brown and I just see, you know, unfortunately he's dealing with a heart condition where he had to retire from football. Man, if you watched him at Penn State, there was some talent there. And if there's any way that he can get back on the field and that, you know, you're talking about an absolute dart throw. I don't even think he's in MFL. I don't think he's going to be in player databases, but if you can stash him somewhere or just monitor that name, just put it in your, uh, you know, your Twitter, you set it to Google so that you're going to get an alert. If that name pops up from time to time, keep an eye for journey Brown. 
Man, I would love that because I, I was mentioning that that Debbie draft Jerry and I did last year. We got sniped on him. We we were looking at him, and I guess sometimes you know good things happen for bad reasons for for other people. Uh, Dallas, you have anything before we turn this over to Pete? Yeah, I mean, just from a medical standpoint, um, I don't think it's viable. It, so just no, a, no. a little. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I'm just we're holding out hope. Dallas, okay. give us hope. I'm the guy who picks up Andrew Luck every February at MFL <laughs> to drop him to drop him every July because it, it's not so much that I I need the roster spot. It's because I have a hope. Don't take away our hope, Dallas. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. So I, I, I've talked to Memphis a little bit about this before, but I'm going to school for bio, bioengineering, specifically cardiovascular is what I'm going to school for. I went for undergrad of biochemistry, biophysics, but cardiomyopathy is not something you do physical activity. Like if he's doing heavy squats with that, I would be concerned for him. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, he's uh, what could have been, but I I just don't think it's viable. (laughs) Well, man, that was a name. He hit me with a couple of names. I was not prepared to hear tonight. CJ Verdell. He hit us with a little journey Brown. Well, Listen, uh, th- so bringing Pete on, again, that satisfied a, a need of mine to talk to my old friend. But but Pete wants to share some things with us. He mentioned taking some time away from Twitter. He's got some things on his heart and on his mind. And, uh, Pete, I just want to turn the mic over to you for a few minutes, man. Yeah, so I uh, I took about 40 days away uh, from the Twitterscape. It was uh, something I gave up for Lent. I noticed, you know, Twitter Twitter can be a very toxic environment. Uh, especially fantasy Twitter. This is, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of great people. And unfortunately due to just, I think it's the limited scope and a limited range of communication on Twitter. We just get in these battles and, and there's so much toxicity in it. But I wanted to talk to a lot of people today about post-traumatic stress. And, you know, I'm talking about my own journey. I talked about my time, you know, wanting to be in the military for a long time. And I was blessed with the opportunity. I served in the Marine Corps from 2002 to 2007. Uh, in 2004, I served uh, over in Al Anbar province. I was uh, part of a quick reaction force. We did a lot of convoy security. We were darn near on the road. Uh, seemed like every day while we were deployed. And on Memorial Day 2004, a good friend of mine, we were outside of a town called Hit. And we got uh, we got hit by a really heavy ambush, and and unfortunately, the ID went off under underneath my friend's vehicle, and Dustin was trapped inside, and I I heard my friend die, and you can tell that this is very emotional to this day. Uh, I didn't deal with it very well for a long time. I became very self-destructive. I isolated myself from those who I loved and care about. And I became very standoffish with anyone who came into my life. In 2019, uh, I was blessed with another opportunity to become a firefighter. I have been a police officer since 2011. And 
I was looking at making a change because being a police officer is not hard. Being a first responder in general is not hard. And as I've talked about, when I came back from Iraq, I did not handle things properly. I became destructive in relationships, in friendships, and in my personal life. The gym was really my only release, and it became an addiction to me. Uh, you, you know, people can find that funny, but you can become addicted to anything. It was my release and my only avenue where I could control things in my life. Uh, I ended up walking on at a football team, uh, Palomar Community College, and I couldn't be on the field because I was so terrified of letting anyone down. Uh, I was the first vehicle in the convoy that night. And for years, I have dealt with this guilt, uh, a survivor guilt, that I didn't stop it, that I didn't do something that could have saved my friend's life. And in 2019 here, I get this chance to go be a firefighter. Now, I've been on all sorts of calls uh, as, a, as a police officer, very traumatic calls where I've never been impacted uh, by the events of Iraq. In 2019, it finally was God's way of making me face these demons that I have suffered with. I'm going to talk to you a lot about my faith tonight as well. I was at the, the fire academy, and during the training evolution, I started to go into a flashback. I did not know it at the time. Now, a lot of people have this misjudged thing about what post-traumatic stress is. I never became angry. I never, you know, there's a there's a, this idea that we be, that, you know, you get post-traumatic stress and it's like the movies, you become Rambo, you become, you know, this overly violent person. It's not always the truth. A lot of ha what happens is we, we isolate and we self-damage ourselves. And as this flashback process started, I was at the academy, we we're training, and I could smell Unbeknownst to me, I, I could smell Iraq again. I could feel the flames from the fire and I could not focus on what I was doing. And this lasted about four hours. The Academy came to a stop, you know, the, the day finally ended. And I thought to myself, like, hey, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get my mind right and we'll be back in the fight. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know that it was a flashback. Uh, this was a Thursday. That evening, I went home. Luckily, you know, my wife, my kids, uh, I had a good evening. I talked to some guys and I was like, all right, you know, whatever that was, I thought it was just stress. Uh, all right, I'm back in the fight. You know, stress does crazy things to our body. I laid down that night to go to sleep, you know, about nine o'clock at night. 10 o'clock rolls around, 11, midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, and I'm hit full on again. And I was crying uncontrollably. And I didn't know what was happening. My mind knew I, something was going on in my mind. And that's why I couldn't focus. I didn't realize I was in a flashback until my wife finally started, you know, is it this? Is it this? And my wife said, is it Iraq? And that's when it clicked. I was in my bed and I could smell Iraq again. I could smell where we were. I could feel the heat. And I thought it was just, you know, some sort of stress reaction. I could feel the heat like I was next to that fire again. I could hear... I, you know, everything that I, I had heard that evening. Uh, and that kind of helped. Now, it, it's a, there's a technique called grounding. If you find yourself in a situation where you're dealing with post-traumatic stress or you're, you're dealing with an anxiety disorder, grounding techniques help. Think about where you're at. Put yourself in the room, you know, 
My walls are blue. The carpet's brown. I'm at my desk. And just start listing off things to ground yourself back into the present time. Unfortunately for me, I continued. I was basically crying uncontrollably from two in the morning till my wife took me to the hospital after we got my kids to school at about eight in the morning. This is where we have, as a country, a huge failure with mental health. Uh, I was in the hospital. I went to the emergency room. They hooked me up to some monitors and everything. And my my blood pressure and my heart rate were very low. Uh, but the emergency doctor basically just said, hey, you know, here, eat, go home, drink some milk and eat some walnuts. They're going to have uh, some chemicals that when you digest them, we're going to help you with post-traumatic stress. I'm like, dude, you, you, you're not catching on. And on top of that, he kept using the analogy of putting out a fire. Obviously, with my post-traumatic stress at that moment, talking about fire is not the best thing. Uh, luckily, I was, I was very blessed this day. And this is where I talk about my journey uh, with God. The next doctor coming on to shift had been a prior Navy SEAL. Now, this man understood what I was going through. So I also had a nurse whose entire family had been Vietnam vets and he had been a firefighter previously. And he came out and he said, hey, Pete, I'm going to act like I'm, I'm uh, discharging you, but we're just waiting for the current doc to get off so this next doc can come in and see you. Uh, that Navy SEAL, he came in and he said, hey, Pete, first, you got to go get some help, man. And I, I knew I was I was at that point. I knew I'd, I had uh, I failed in a lot of ways, but failed to take care of my mental health. So I, you know, I, I acknowledge that he, uh, now mind you, I've, I've gotten Xanax at this point on board. Um, I've, I've taken like, you know, two bags, IV fluid, and I've basically been crying uncontrollably till about four in the afternoon when this doc comes in and sees me, he hits me with a shot of Ativan and, uh, I sleep pretty much through that night and through the, into the next day. So that's, that's my Friday, Saturday. I'm kind of in a funk. Um, my, my father comes out, spends some time with me. Uh, things are all right. Watch some college football. And then that night it kicks off again. Uh, so I'm into this process again of just this rolling post-traumatic stress. Uh, so I was like, okay, I need to go to a, a, you know, to some doctors who have dealt with this. So I was very blessed. And as you know, as military guys, we have a huge problem with the VA. The VA has failed a lot of veterans. Um, I was very much blessed though that day to get in and I had some great doctors and that day, uh, they hooked me up to the machines and, uh, they say, Hey, you know, it looks like you work out a bit, Pete, what's your resting heart rate. So mind you, I've been dealing in the middle of a rolling, just anxiety, post-traumatic stress for since Thursday evening, it's now Sunday. My resting heart rate at that point was 30 beats per minute and my blood pressure had crashed out. Uh, so they had asked, hey, we want to keep you and just kind of monitor you for a few days and make sure that you're OK. All right. Sure. You know, I, I need to get in. I need to get some help. And unbeknownst to me, I, I didn't quite catch it is they wanted me to go to the mental health wing and. Now, mind you, I'd been a police officer about two weeks before this. I had just started what I believed was my dream job. And at this point, I'm walking in, uh, admitting myself into a mental health uh, psych ward. Now, I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't homicidal. I didn't want to harm myself or any of that stuff. But I was so into the throes of post-traumatic stress and this flashback. 
that I just couldn't, I couldn't control it anymore. And I needed to get help. I spent two days uh, in the psych ward and I want to thank those doctors immensely and very much God took the time and this experience to say, you got to fix this stuff, man. And more on top of that, God's taken this to make me a better person, a better father, a better husband, and a better police officer. After I got out, I was blessed to go to a program known as Mighty Oaks. It's a very it's a it's a program for veterans and first responders. Mighty Oaks is a nonprofit. They'll fly you down there if you're a veteran, if you're a first responder. They have campuses across the nation. You can reach out to them at any time. There, I'd been a Christian for a long time. However, I was simply following along parallel to the path that God wanted me on. I didn't like where I was at work. I was self, it's just, just so much self-doubt. Uh, you know, we always talk about the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I wasn't enjoying the, the work I was doing as a police officer. As a police officer, I've, I've done a lot of great things. Uh, I know it's not the most loved job in this country right now, but I'll tell you, there's, there's no better job. Um, some of the stuff we do that you'll never see make the news just for helping people, uh, especially going for and helping victims of a lot of very terrible crimes. You, you can't beat that. Um, and unfortunately, for first responders, this is a really tough job. After I, I wrapped up with Mighty Oaks uh, for this week-long course, I was blessed. I was baptized again, and I truly found my faith. And I looked at myself, and I knew that God had put this me on this path for a reason. For a long time, as I said, I wasn't happy being a police officer. I had looked at a way out, and unfortunately, I'm very hard-headed. I wasn't seeing how much I was actually enjoying the job I was doing. And it took God... God used this opportunity to say to me, Pete, we're going to fix that, that post-traumatic stress problem, but I'm going to use you in new ways. I was able to go back to my department. And in that time, it's been about a year and a half since I've come back. I've been promoted to investigations. I work as a detective. Um, I, I can't tell you how much cool stuff we get to do, you know, and the, the the officers that I work with, I'm blessed here on the West Coast, we're very progressive. A lot of the reforms that people look to, we've been doing those since I started, since before I even became an officer nearly a decade ago. And I work with guys who are doing internet crimes against children, who are dealing with sex traffickers, and really going after people who are out there victimizing society and what they are doing to victims throughout our nation are just terrible tragedies. Now with my experience, I've gotten the chance to talk to first responders where I think we work in such an environment where people think of post-traumatic stress as, you know, we can talk about an acute injury or a chronic injury. Think people think post-traumatic stress and they think you're in a shooting, a homicide, a very violent crime, an assault, and those things. And yes, those are all caused post-traumatic stress. But post-traumatic stress can also be, be a, a cumulative. It can be a chronic thing. Every day, first responders are immersed in just the negative things of society. We see 
women who sell their bodies for drug habits, children who are physically, emotionally abused, who get trafficked. We deal with drunks. We deal with suicides. We deal with domestic violence. All these negative things wear on first responders, whether that's a firefighter or a police officer. And in our culture, we have this suck it up, don't talk about it, and push on to the next call. And we're failing in that. First responders, your typical person might have two to three incidents in their lifetime that could trigger post-traumatic stress. And I'm talking about some of those chronic things, not the chronic things, my apologies, the acute things that might trigger your post-traumatic stress. Loss of a loved one, a sexual assault, any of those terrible things. Your typical civilian maybe has two to three of those in their lifetime. Your average first responder over the course of a 20-year career will likely be subject to 30 to 40 events that can trigger post-traumatic stress. And I'm utilizing my experience now, and I hope those listening to this can understand it's okay to reach out and get help. And introducing new health and wellness things into first responders, into our careers, getting law enforcement guys to open up. It's not easy. I've done jobs where I've told fathers, I've told wives, mothers, husbands about how that their loved one has committed suicide. I can talk to you about exactly the feelings that, you know, what it feels like for a mother to hold you after her son committed suicide. And it's not easy, man. It's not an easy job, but I love it. And I love what God has done in my life to help people. I've been blessed. And I want to tell you all something else. I'm also a very emotional person. I cried in Terminator 2 when Arnold lowered himself into the molten lava, you know. I love everybody, man. And if somebody out there is struggling with something, my DMs on Twitter are always open. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you about my path. And God, how he saw somebody who was unhappy in his career, who was allowing such negativity that he experienced overseas to impact him. And I can tell you that God put me on this path for a reason. And for anyone that I can help, it's a blessing. And I just want to thank all of you for listening. You know, you're not broken. You're not hurt. It's okay to talk about what you've experienced. It's okay to reach out for help. And I just want to tell you, wherever you're at, you are loved. Well, Pete, man, thank you so much for sharing your story and offering to be a resource for anyone struggling. I mean, I have never experienced anything like that, but to to know that there are people like you out there willing to be an advocate and a resource for people who are struggling. And again, his DMs are at underscore Pete Law. On Twitter, he is one of the nicest, most positive people uh, I have ever met, and I'm glad to have been able to spend time with him tonight. Obviously, uh, we we do the football thing, but sometimes in life, you know, there are uh, other ways to use your medium besides just talk about football. So, Pete, thank you for sharing your journey. Uh, Thank you for offering of your assistance and resources and ability to help steer people. Dallas, you have anything for Pete before we wrap this one up? Yeah, man. Thanks for opening up, being 
legitimately the truest and realest conversation I've had all week and I'm going to have probably this year. I didn't say a lot. I got to hear it and it means a lot. I come from a, like a complete military family. Um, dad was career vet, grandparents on both sides, career vets. Hypermasculinity is a extremely real thing in our country and our society right now. And it's definitely something that everyone that's a guy has to go through. Um, so just having someone who's not afraid to actually open up about past trauma and emotion is, it feels good to be a part of it. So thank you again. Thank you all, man. Yep. And remember, we, we are, you have a commonality. I think uh, like 240 million Americans have some kind of connection to the game of football. There you go. Hey, Pete, I heard you on a football podcast and I'd like to talk to you about blank. Whatever blank is, uh, Pete's a good guy and uh, I'm glad we had him on. But on behalf of Pete, Dallas, and myself, here at the Rookie Rundown, we are trying to make the world a better place. And tonight, we're just going to tell you on behalf of Pete, we're just trying to make the world a better place. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hey, guys. Nick Burnett here. Just wanted to kind of give some information on why I joined the Patreon, why I'm part of the Dynasty Warzone uh, team. Downloaded the Dynasty Warzone podcast. It took one day. Joined the Patreon. Reached out to Memphis about a situation with one of my rosters. And the kind of feedback I got was, hey, Nick, why don't you give me a call? Uh, We went down my roster and he helped me pull off a couple moves that put me ahead when I thought I was going to be in rebuild mode this year. And that's just part of what comes with the Patreon. Uh, Just uh, trade talks, just good interaction with guys that love fantasy football. Uh, Whether it's 10 o'clock at night or 3 o'clock in the morning, there's always going to be fantasy football talk, whether it's redraft, whether it's dynasty. I joined a couple leagues with the Patreon members, and it's the same thing. Even even while we're drafting, we're still shooting ideas at each other. And if that sounds like something that you want to be a part of, pause the podcast now. Join the Patreon and join join a great fantasy football group, but more like a fantasy football family.